Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Fenner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed epiphany season this Monday, January the, excuse me, Tuesday, January the 18th. And we gather this next hour around the inspired and true word of God, and we see Christ, our light and our life. And the light shines on us today from Matthew chapter 10. We covered the first 15 verses yesterday with Pastor David Hines with Jesus's calling of the first disciples and their first instructions, which were really kind of just nice. It's kind of like call night at seminary and go, you get to go and preach and teach. Sounds pretty simple. You won't have much money, he told them. Not everyone will like you, but you just wipe off your feet and go to the next next city. You go to the house of Israel, the, the sheep of Israel. But today, Jesus tells them the truth. He does not leave them thinking this is going to be rainbow and unicorns the rest of their time. He says, you know what? If they hate me, they'll hate you. And he prepares them for what will happen, but also reminds them of who is on their side. Do not fear for your life or what you will say, or even the hairs of your head are numbered. There's a lot of words of Words that kind of make us a little nervous, but also a lot of words of comfort. For today, these are great words for us, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back Pastor Joshua Kanipa of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Nederland, Texas. Pastor Kanipa, happy Epiphany and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Good morning, Pastor Finn, Ern. good to uh, be with you here this morning. Voice is a little scratchy, but uh, I'm glad I can uh, be on KFUO and talk to the saints of, of God. All right. So wait, let me hear that. Your throat is scratchy or the sound is scratchy or what's scratchy? No, my throat is scratchy. Oops, my throat is scratchy. <laughs> okay. And uh, Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Such is life. Well, I'm glad you're with us this morning. Pastor, tell us what's going on for you and the saints at Holy Cross, besides the scratchy throat. I, I, well, I'll tell you what, we uh, got through the uh, Christmas season, and that was just a great joy and uh, great worship uh, on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And uh, you know how it was this year with uh, Christmas being on a Christmas Day being on a Saturday. It was a, it was a long mm. weekend, but it was a good weekend. And uh, we uh, were able to gather and worship and and uh, do all those uh, very special things that are dictated by that uh, season and now we're into epiphany and uh some of these uh um, some of these extra celebrations that happen during that time the baptism of christ and some of that we actually have this sunday upcoming is when we are uh having sanctity of life sunday so a lot of churches either did last week or this week we're doing it this week and uh that's always an important topic to to discuss as well Absolutely. I know for us in our district, we have many people participating in the March for Life, which will happen on Saturday, which is the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And it's a real powerful thing to see people not trying to get overly political, but just saying that every person has value from the time of conception until the Lord brings them home. So I appreciate that. We do the same thing in our church. For our church, we put up a one single red rose just as a symbol of the life um, the gift of life that he gives to us from the time we're conceived. And so that that's a real joy. Any other traditions you have with that, uh, the the Sanctity of Life Sunday? Well, I, I actually was able to attend the march uh, in 2018. 
Uh, oh, when, okay. And so that was a, uh, a neat thing. And just to see uh, all those mostly Christians, uh, you know, marching uh, for those uh, and speaking for those who cannot speak for themselves uh, is a great joy. And uh, we're still uh, kind of figuring out how to establish some of those traditions here since uh, uh, I got here fairly recently. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see what the future holds with all that. Well, thanks be to God. And Pastor, I want to take one moment. First of all, I really appreciate you filling in for today because uh, it was kind of short notice I contacted you the other day. And and here's a reason for you, our listeners, is that one of our beloved guests, he wasn't on a lot of times, but he was one that when he was on, you remembered it, it was Pastor Ingo Dutzman, um, who was a First Lutheran Church in Boston. He has since retired and moved to Maine. He was scheduled for this morning, but he died in Christ on Sunday. And so that's a, a major... Uh, well, that's just, you grieve. You know, we are ones who do not grieve without hope, but it does not mean we do not grieve. He was a longtime guest at KFUO. I saw back in the, the 2000s that he was a guest on various number of our programs, very well known throughout the Synod, served the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, served right in the heart of Boston for many years. And I remember this specifically, and that this is going to be part of our prayers this morning. In March, when he was on, we studied Philippians chapter 3, and he really focused a lot on Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even to subject all things to himself. And after this, he said numerous times, praise the Lord, pass the potatoes. <laughs> Reminding us of how each day we praise the Lord and we go to the simple things in life like giving thanks even for potatoes at the table. So pray, we ask for you, our listeners, to pray for the Deutzman family, Pastor Ingo Deutzman, and uh, and we ask for our Lord's blessings today. Pastor, I'm going to, um, I'll, I'll take the prayer this morning, pray for the Deutzman family, and then also uh, pray for our time. Um, so let us, let us pray. Let us pray. Oh, God of grace and mercy, we give thanks to you for your loving kindness upon Pastor Ingo Deutzman and all your servants who, having finished their course in faith, now rest from their labors. As Pastor Dusman was a man of faith and proclaimed the word faithfully throughout his years, we pray that you be with his family and grant them peace, to grant them hope in the midst of grief, and also, Lord, for all of us, that we may be faithful unto death and receive the crown of your eternal life when your Son returns. In that memory and in that hope, we study your word this morning reminding us that we have nothing to fear because you are always with us. And that when you invite us to come to yourself, you remind us that we indeed are saved. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions for us as we look at our text from Matthew chapter 10, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or give us a call, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, we're looking at Matthew chapter 10, and at first, we see them, the, the disciples get called. We get all the names, we get a little bit of a background. Um, he basically just tells them, hey, go out, you won't have much money, but you know what, the Lord will provide. And to this point, sounds like a pretty good, pretty good deal. And then we get to verse 16. How do you want to start us off as we look at these verses? 
Well, as you mentioned, uh, this uh, is the second great discourse uh, in the book of Matthew. The first was the Sermon on the Mount, and then we get to this part of it. Uh, Jesus, as you mentioned, gave uh, some very kind of encouraging uh, words about sending out the disciples and, and all this other, uh, all the other things he did with them. And then we get to verse 16, and it's kind of like the honeymoon's over. Uh, and he gets into the uh, challenges that are going to confront them. And, you know, he speaks it specifically to the disciples, but it certainly has application for us as well. And as you read through the, as you read through this section of scripture here, you can just, uh, you can see current events in it. You can see uh, the state of our culture in it. You can see a lot of things that, uh, are very familiar as we as we look around the, us and see the world in which we live. Now there's a tension there, and I want I want to hear your thoughts on it because clearly these words are for a specific time and place, the disciples. But like you said, it also relates to us today. How do we make sure that we faithfully look at this without going too far to say, oh well, I am one of the disciples or the apostles. But we all, but also at the same time, we don't say, "Oh, that was just for them." That doesn't relate to us whatsoever. How do we, how do we balance that out in our Christian lives today? There's a number of different ways you can look at that. You can, of course, apply our standard of scripture, interpret scripture, and, and see other places where certain ideas are conveyed and expanded, perhaps uh, to in, to include us as well. Uh, and some of it's just common sense of, of just. Uh, Jesus is giving very good advice here uh, in his sending of the disciples, and it makes sense for us to apply that to our lives and our situations and the things that we go about doing. And so, uh, and then you want to do any and all of those things guided by prayer, and and we can go forward with that um, and do the things that Jesus calls, many of the things that Jesus calls the disciples to do ourselves. Right. And I was thinking about this in the verses that we just, um, that we just read, because there is that time where he says, go into someone's house. And if you say peace and they, they welcome you, then come or else just wipe off your feet and go to the next town. I think that's important for, for me to remember that there's going to be some people who just don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear the word of God. They want nothing to do with Christianity and all we can do is wipe off our feet and move forward. So that that's one example I have with this. Any other thoughts you have on what applies to us, leading us up to this point, at least? Yeah, in everybody's salvation story, and I mean, whatever, you can look at statistics and stuff, but it, it is very rare, very rare that the first time somebody hears the gospel, they become a convert. Uh, you... Mm. In talking with that person who just doesn't want to hear it, you may be steady, setting the stage for somebody next week or years later uh, who will, uh, guided by the Holy Spirit, speak to them in such a way that it, it brings about faith and, and that kind of thing. So I, I think that we uh, don't want to be discouraged at the same time. You know, you, you can read the room and, and know that that this this is probably not going to happen today. I'm going to keep praying for this person <laughs> and hopefully uh, prayer. You know, and I use hopefully there in the 
Christian sense of hope, not like I hope it doesn't rain today, but uh, with yeah. a with that sense of hope that God has used you for this person down the road, perhaps. Well, that's what we pray for. And I think that really relates to what we're looking at today. Anything else you want to highlight before we dig in? I think we're ready to go. All right, boss. All right, here we go. So open up your Bibles and we'll get started. We are reading from the English Standard Version of Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 16. And I'll just read verse 16. Jesus says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Now, Pastor, this is a quote from a movie that I enjoy. I'm not endorsing it, but it is. it does bring up some interesting dynamics. It's called Devil's Advocate with Keanu Reeves. Have you seen that movie? Uh, yes, I have. It's been a minute, but uh, I have I have seen it before. It's not as you, as you said, it is not very sanctified. So uh, we'll put the caveat on there. But uh, the, but there's there's a scene in there. It is. It was a scene where the mother concerned for her son, who's a lawyer, um, and there's a whole bunch of other dynamics to it. It's just she loves the scriptures, and she's this good Baptist from probably Texas or Louisiana. I can't remember. But, but she said to her son when he was about to leave, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, the quote of that is probably a little bit different out of context than Jesus. But what is Jesus telling his disciples right away in verse 16? So he's telling them it's going to be tough. There's going to be challenges out there. They're already, I think, experiencing challenges even in Jesus' early part of his ministry. And they are going to continue to be challenged. And so they need to be prepared for that. And they need to understand that uh, this is not, this ministry thing is not a cakewalk. And it, it's going to, it's going to be rough sometimes. Uh, it's going to be rough many times. And he wants them to understand that. And he wants to prepare them for that. And this is where um, a line that, well, first of all, that he speaks about them as sheep. And we kind of have this nice fluffy feeling about this in America today. Like, oh, it's so nice. Sheep are so cute and all this. But basically, he's telling the disciples, you're weak. And you're going out in the midst of very, very dangerous terrain. So he's already laying the groundwork that you need me, you know, you need me. And that's probably was relatively um, um, humbling. But also, I've heard this many times, and I've never quite always understood when people use it, but the line, be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. That's a line that is not always understood. Well, I have to admit, I, I kind of struggle with those words too. What is What do those words mean? Any thoughts? Yeah, so... Just one more thing on the, the sheep and wolves thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that later on, uh, Paul harkens back to this in Acts chapter 20 when he's talking to the Ephesian elders when they uh, are parting ways because Paul's going back to Jerusalem. Um, and he tells them that fierce wolves will arise from among you, like from the eldership. Uh, there's going to uh, mm -hmm. be challenges and stuff that, that come through. And so uh, that... Uh, that echo from Paul, I think, is uh, um, helpful and sobering to understand uh, this uh, part of this thing that, that we're signing up for here. Uh, and so then to the next point, the wisest serpents and innocent as doves. Uh, my thoughts immediately go back to Genesis 3, where it says the serpent was more crafty than all 
animals, and uh, and that ends up being Satan. Uh, so that that is a um, kind of biblical look at the serpent as far as characteristics and and those sorts of things. Uh, and you see it in real life with snakes; they'll kind of lie in wait and. They can, uh, you know, I, I don't know what it is. A snake can jump like four times its length or something if it's coiled up, which is terrifying. So mm. it's uh, some of some of that, and uh, but innocent as doves, and and we get that symbolism of that. Uh, you know, it's a it's a doves as we think of them in, in biblical discourse are, you know, they're white and the symbols. It's, it symbolizes purity and it symbolizes uh, being clean and these sorts of things. And so I, I think that that's kind of the contrast that's being drawn. And so as we, as we look at that, I really liked how you brought up the idea of that from the leadership, there will be wolves, you know, that there'll be uh, 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 called wolves with sheep clothing is the language that, yeah. that we hear. And and that is that is something that's you know kind of scary, but also he warns us of it. So he clearly is one that is is trying to prepare us for this. But that being quite terrifying, what's a good way for us to look at that? Because we might get to the point where we don't trust any leaders within the church. Because you know people like that, and I do too. That people, I don't trust the church at all. I don't I don't trust in anybody. How do we make sure we don't go that far as we hear these words from from Jesus? It's really important that uh, we hold each other accountable for our actions, for our words, for 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 all the things that we do and, and everything. And that happens with, you know, with the congregation and her pastor. That happens be- between pastors. And that happens in, in other ways, too. So uh, we just always have to, and, and we always, each of us, whether you're a pastor or a lay person, you know, when you're a Christian, you gotta, you gotta keep an eye on your heart all the time. And just, uh, you know, why do I think this? Why, why am I doing this? Does this line up with scripture? Does this, is this what Jesus intended for this? You know? And so we, it is on, uh, it is that responsibility that exists um, for us to check ourselves, for us to continue to, to go to the Lord in prayer and, and tell him, like, you know, create in me a clean heart, mm. right? So right. so it's it's along those lines. Yeah, that's really good. I once heard a, um, a now sainted uh, a member, not of mine, but a father of one of my members, that when he was at a confirmation of one of his grandchildren, that I sat down with him, we were talking for a while, and one of his comments, because he had been at his church most of his life, got married when he was 20 and he was in his 80s, and he had been at that same church all those years. So he had seen pastors come and go and knowing a little bit of the history, you know, some good pastors and some not so good of pastors. And he would, he told me about how people would say, well, I don't like that pastor. And he would always, his line was this, according to his kids and what he told me right there is, you know, I go to church, I'm part of the church, and as we would call it, the body of Christ, not for the sake of the pastor, but for the sake of my own soul. And I thought that was really a good reminder, especially when we hear something like this, is that Christ is no is, is still Christ, even if those who follow are not being Christ-like. 
And so we all have to come before the Lord, like you said, to pray that we may keep each other accountable, that, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit to live a holy life. And I thought that was a really good way for us to remember, even for us as pastors, is that, you know, this isn't about us. It's about people's souls and pointing people to Christ and to, by his Holy Spirit, bringing them to faith. And so that I think that really relates with what he is saying here. Yes, you are weak. You have to be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves, but all of this is at the hand of the Lord. Pastor, anything else in verse 16? I think we're good. Okay. All right. Here we go. Um, I'm going to read through 23. There's quite a bit in here, but I want to make sure that we, uh, that we come back and cover all of our bases. But verse 17, and I'll read through verse 23. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and like the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in the one town, flee to the next. For truly, I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So he begins verse 17 saying, beware. What are they to be aware of as they begin this task of preaching his word? Well, it says, you know, these men will deliver you over to the courts. They will flog you in the synagogues. Uh, they're going to do all of these different things. And, you know, th these are all things that happen to Jesus uh, later on when we get to Holy Week and everything. So it's, um, it is very sobering. It, it is very, um, um, you know, very different from the first uh, part of the chapter, as you uh, mentioned earlier, Pastor Fennern. And <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's it's going to be rough, and and he uh, explains that to them and warns them of that. And you know, you got gird up your loins because because <laughs> it's coming. You know. Well, and the, and the thing about it is, he doesn't say this might happen. He says it basically. You will be dragged before governors and kings. Um, you will be dragged to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. And, and it isn't necessarily, a, well, it is a guarantee, I guess you would say. Um, at first, it sounds like for they beware of them because they'll, they'll, they'll deliver you over. But then he says in verse 18, and you will be dragged. Makes me wonder what the disciples are thinking at this point and, and, and how are they taking a few steps back. Are they wanting to leave? You know, what's going to happen here? What are your thoughts? It, he's explaining the whole cost of discipleship idea, I think. And if you want to know, you know, once this is back to the idea of we're speaking to a specific group here. If you want to know when all these things happen, read the book of Acts because it's all in there. Every one of these yeah. things happens to some of those guys who are in the room right now that Jesus is, is speaking to. So it's, it's, it's going to be rough and it does bear out. I mean, this is, this is prophecy that gets, fulfilled uh in the early church and so it's um but 
they faced it and they stood up <laughs> under it. And it's, uh, it's just remarkable to think about how they weren't the way the disciples, you know, fled uh, and cowered during Holy Week uh, when Jesus kind of needed them the most. Uh, but then by the time we get into Acts and, and Pentecost has happened and man, they are, they're, they're grown men, man. They, they go for it, you know? And this is where, when they are before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter five, they're arrested. They're basically beat to a pulp, I guess you'd probably say. And in verse 41, that they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name, which, <laughs> which is just crazy for us to think about, but is truly a testament here of according to our will as sheep who will basically, you know, put our head into a fence and not figure out how to get out. All we have to do is go backwards or that we will run scared and everything that this was truly a testament of God's work as opposed to their own. So any thoughts on that? You said they're now grown men, you know, gird up your loins, and they and they did in the book of Acts. But at first, it had to be terrifying, and we see God at work. Any other thoughts? We're, we're almost to our break, and I want to get any of your thoughts on the flogging and those kind of things and how they how they would have reacted, or, or for us, too. Yeah, it had to be awful, and I... Uh... It, it's 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 hard for us excuse me it's hard for us as uh you know western american christians to imagine going through something like that uh it, it makes me you know kind of ask the question of myself of would i could i do that would i stand up to that would, would i be willing to go through that for the gospel i, I hope i would i don't you can't know i don't think until you get into that situation and so um, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely something for us to think about. Uh, we can look around though, and we can see, I mean, there are places in the world right now where they'll, they'll kill you because you're a Christian. I, mm -hmm. when was, I was talking with somebody about, uh, the, the, uh, the, the flood narrative in the old Testament and, you know, do, well, do we know where the uh, ark ended up? And, and uh, I think it's somewhere in modern-day Turkey. And it's like, well, they kill Christians there, so I don't think we're going to ever, ever actually be able to go check it out. So who knows? But uh, it, there, there's, some, there's some rough places for Christians still in this world. And yet, you know, Jesus still sends people out. And so because those people need to hear the gospel too. And so he chooses who he chooses to go and uh, do those things in those difficult places. And um, they oftentimes stand up to it. And it's, uh, it's, it's remarkable. In the midst of this fear, there is hope. And I want to speak about that a little later, because it's almost like correctly placed as we look at these verses today. And we'll talk more about that on the other side of our break. We are studying Matthew 10 with Pastor Joshua Kanipa, and we'll be right back.
These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. And welcome back. We are studying Matthew chapter 10 with Pastor Joshua Knippa of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Nederland, Texas. Pastor, how are people doing after the loss of Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys the other day? How are you guys doing? Uh, I'm not doing good. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was, that, was, that was probably the worst uh, playoff game in the history of the franchise, and, and it was just a sloppy game. Uh, it was it was just bad. Uh, most of the people here, if they are fans of the NFL, they are Texans fans, and ah, that didn't okay. go too well either. So no. it's um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's not good. Well, I don't want to even necessarily pray for this, but we 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 feel as a Minnesota fan. We feel your pain. We understand. So, anyways, <laughs> such is life. Anyways, Pastor, in the midst of these words, which can kind of leave you with, there's not much hope here. He does give hope, and the words are short, and the words maybe um, we kind of overlook. But in verse 19, when they deliver you over, which once again he's guaranteeing this is going to happen, do not be anxious in how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. So right there, he gives them a promise. He gives them hope that, like you said, we worry, will I be able to handle this well? And he's kind of telling them some words of hope here. And what is the hope that he gives? Yeah, so, you know, this is the promise of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the midst of difficulty. This is the promise, I would say, of strength uh, that uh, when you are, you know, when you're persecuted for his name, he, he, he will be with you. And so uh, he gives this promise to the disciples that when that happens, I am going to be with you and you can draw upon me for strength. And this is important for us as well, that we might not go through the same persecution, but the Holy Spirit will give us the right words at the right time. And why is that important for us, even if we're not going through persecution, to know the Holy Spirit give us the right words today as well? Well, you never know what kind of situation you're going to be in where you get a chance to share the gospel with somebody. I had one time, uh, I had my, I was having cell phone issues, so I called the company and they were working on a tower in my area, so but the kid I talked to on the phone at, at the cell phone company, uh, you know, he asked what I do or whatever, and I told him I'm a pastor, and uh, I was able to share the gospel with him, and it hmm. was a neat thing. I didn't plan on that when I called my cell phone company because that's usually a miserable phone call, but uh, <laughs> I got that opportunity, and uh, it uh, it wasn't planned, but that it's it was a. Um, the Holy Spirit provided that opportunity, and it's it's that kind of thing that can happen. 
Well, and, and that's why we pray for the Holy Spirit to give us those right words. And, you know, Lord have mercy, he does. And that's that's a real joy that we see for the disciples. So there is a glimmer, not even a glimmer, this is a, a bright light of hope for them, even though they must be still anxious. Pastor, I wanted to bring up one other situation here in verse 23. When they persecute you, go into one town, or go in one town, flee to the next. That was very similar to the words he gave before. Wipe off your feet and move forward. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. This kind of leaves us a little bit with maybe overthinking the text at times. Where we're like, hmm, I wonder when that was. And this is what, you know, you know how this was a seminary. This is what like we would sit around at a lunch table and debate for an hour for fun. I mean, this is what how weird pastors right. are, but when, <laughs> when, what is he talking about? What, what did you find on this? Where through all the towns of Israel before the son of man comes, when is the son of man coming and how would we interpret this? Well, I think there's kind of a couple of different, maybe three, yeah, a couple of different options. So could just refer to, G the events of Holy Week and Jesus, you know, persecution, death, and resurrection. So it could do do that. Uh, it could also mean the you know when uh, when Israel falls uh, in 70 A.D. when the temple is destroyed and and that kind of thing. It could be that. It could also be a reference to the second coming. So I guess there's three options there, and I don't know that I have a particular affinity for one of them but uh i did it it's a little bit of a question mark for us i think yeah big what time do you think? I, I, well i had a, there was a number of people that i read and and most of them said that the son of man came down with the destruction by the romans in ad 70 of the of uh, the temple which okay. i think is a i think that's a faithful interpretation of that i'm i'm left with a little bit of well that's not really that clear and the reality is, like you said, all three of those is not really that clear. So I'm not going to deny that, but I do like the idea of his resurrection. You know, they definitely didn't get through all the talents before the resurrection. Um, but then you also have the second coming. And did the disciples get to all the towns? Well, not really. So you have, you're left with a lot of that. And I think we're left with a big, as I call it, WDK. We don't know. We'll just trust that God is doing it at the time that he's promising. Any, any last thoughts? Nope, that's, uh, I think you covered it. <laughs> if anybody has a, a, a theory that maybe is even better than ours, uh, give us a call here, 314-821-0850. We'll move on. Anything, oh, excuse me, anything else, Pastor, from 17 to 23? Let's uh, keep going. All right, verse 24 and 25. Jesus continues, A disciple's not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher, and the servant like his master. If they called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will, the, will they malign those of his household? Here, I have, at first thought, and see, I'm big in the movies today, is at first thought, I feel like I hear Yoda speaking in the background, you know, like every, every, <laughs> every everyone needs an apprentice. And you're like, oh, a servant's <laughs> not above his teacher. And he's, you know, go, you must kind of language. Anyways, but that's not, that's, it's not biblical. So I'm not sticking with that. Anyways, Jesus is very clear about who he is and who the disciples are and how they treated him and how they'll treat them. How would you break that down for us? 
Yeah, I think he's uh, he's letting them know that um, there, there's a authority play here uh, when Jesus talks about teacher and disciples is that uh, Jesus is asserting certainly his authority. Uh, and so then uh, he he wants for them to know that and to understand that uh, he is one who speaks with authority. Uh, and so they can trust in what he has to say because of that. Uh, and then there, there are going to people who going to be people who speak against that. And that's, that's true also. And so that um, it's comforting to know that you have the one who has the authority on your side when you know that you are going to have to deal with challenges and and evil and, and and all the rest of it and it's interesting because if they are going to call jesus beelzebul the devil literally then we shouldn't be surprised when they call a christian a bigot or they call a christian some yeah. kind of other horrible name and i'm not saying that i like that i've been called been called that before really for no other reason than just believing the scriptures but i'm going to say it's every day and by no means am i going to call myself a martyr but i'm just saying these things do happen and unfortunately we get in our minds that people are just going to like us they're you know they'll know we are christians by our love and then therefore they're just going to say wow we want to be part of you and that's just so not true which is why i don't know for you pastor i, I know this is true for you too is that when I gather on Sunday mornings or we have a Bible study or whatever it might be, I am just amazed at how God works because we're preaching a message that some people absolutely despise and people will come. <laughs> oh, people will come, Ray, another movie. No, uh, people right. will come and hear the word of God, receive that forgiveness, receive you know the Holy Spirit, the gifts are ready, all of that in a world that you know many people would say, why? Like, why are you doing that? That doesn't make any sense. And yet they still come. That, that's very humbling for me to think about and very humbling to realize that, um, that, that, that the Lord is still at work. Any of your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's that. I also think, too, we, have, uh, we can sometimes have a mindset where we tell ourselves, well, I don't care what people think about me, you know, and so I'll say <laughs> this, this, and this. Yeah, yeah do. Everybody do. does. Absolutely. Yeah. And so like if if you didn't care about what other people thought about you, you're probably some kind of sociopath or something. Um, because we are people, we're social beings, we're communicative beings, and uh we God created us that way because we see that within the Trinity, that Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are perfect community, perfect relationship, you know, all these things. And since we're made in God's image and likeness. Uh, those things do matter to us, and we shouldn't deny that. We should admit that that's true and, and, and go forward from there. And that is a, that's a great point in all of this, is that we are going to care what people think of us. We want to have a positive view in the community, and that doesn't deny that we don't serve our neighbor or that we don't um, uh, show compassion to our communities, or that we don't love people even though they don't love us. I mean, Jesus even says, you know, pray for your enemies and those who persecute you. And and that's something we do. But at the end of the day, we need to realize that there's something greater than this. And that is the Lord Jesus who was despised. That's why when I hear all these words of 
taken to the courts and flogging and taken before government and kings and brother would deliver brother um, hated for the name of which you are saying, how could we not yet see Jesus in that? That he is, that he is just saying, hey, this is what's going to happen to you. And you look at it and go, wait, Jesus already went through that. And therefore, we realize that our Lord understands what we go through and understands those dynamics because he went through it first. Any, any other thoughts on those verses, Pastor? No, let's keep going. All right, verse 26, I will read through 28. Jesus continues, So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, a hidden that or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but not kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So he begins with words that can be kind of frustrating for us to hear. He, after all this, you know, your, your anxiety is getting a little bit higher. And he says, do not fear. And you're, it's a little bit frustrating. It's kind of like me telling you, don't think about a purple dinosaur right now. Well, what does your mind yeah. think about? A purple dinosaur. But he says, do not fear. What in the world's going on? How dare him say, do not fear? Um, what do you think? Yeah, it's a big ask. And... <laughs> It, uh, I think it's part of this whole, the whole kind of discourse here, this part of the discourse uh, is, is emphasizing Jesus' authority and the importance of trust in him, uh, that if Jesus tells you do not fear, then you can trust that he will provide a way for that to happen. And, but you're right, that's tough. That's a tough thing for us to process and to understand uh, and and can be a tough thing to believe in because we look in front of us and we see so many challenges and, and so many um, places where, um, you know, not exactly like Jesus, but in a sense, you know, despised and rejected by men, these, these kinds of ideas on account of him. And, and so th those things are there, and yet Jesus still, and I think, it's also a way of challenging, I think, the disciples, and we can see it as a challenge for us, too, that, um, you know, do not be, and we get this over and over again. Uh, Paul talks about this with Timothy. Um, we did not receive a spirit of timidity. You know, we, we, we do not need to be timid. We do not need to be scared because we have Jesus on our side, we have the King of Kings on our side, we have the victor of, the, the battle has already been won by Jesus, and he is the one who is on our side, and so do not fear. Who are we supposed to fear, as he mentions, the one who destroys both soul and body in hell? Who is he referring to there? So, I, I think this is a reference here to, to, to Satan and his demons, and C.S. Lewis talked about this, that you can go one of two ways, uh, or one of two extremes, when you're thinking about the existence of Satan and his demons. And that is, you can go all the way on one end, and you're just totally, um, you know, paralyzed by fear that this spiritual realm and spiritual battle exists 
or you can go all the way on the other end and not think about it at all and just kind of deny it or ignore it or everything. But the truth is somewhere in the middle, like there's an acknowledgement that Satan and his demons are at work in our world. Uh, they hate Jesus. They hate us. And they, uh, they want us to not know Jesus. And that's a real thing that exists. And so we, we don't want to be paranoid about it. At the same time, we don't want to not acknowledge that such things are, are the case. That is, that is so true. And it, it, it's something that when I read this, that's something that, that it, like you said, it does make you possibly get paranoid over the reality of what, what he's saying. I also heard it said this way, is the first commandment, you know, uh, you shall have no other gods. What does it mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So I heard another common commentary talk about how we should fear God. Um, because if there's anything we should fear, it should be fear the Lord, which I'm not quite sure how to put all that together. But obviously, it's a, it, I would say it's kind of a both and type of situation here is because God can um, uh, destroy us at any moment. But we know but that it lines up with the hope that we have, as he says, do not fear. Why? Because he, who, if he is for us, who can be against us? At the same time, the devil um, is like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. So there's different kind of fears with that, you know, fear of comfort that our Lord, you know, is not going to do those things to us. And then the fear of the devil is that he can destroy us. And so it brings us to, well, do not fear, but there is someone to fear here, which leads us. To, if we end at verse 28, I think I'd be nothing but fearful. What are your thoughts? Yeah. And it's, you know, <laughs> do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. And uh, this is not exactly the same thing, but uh, th this is one of the things that uh, I teach uh, the kids when we're talking about uh, just relationships and, and, and things like this, like when you're married someday and everything. Um, in Western uh, America culture, uh, you know, most fathers will not be called on to die for their families, but every father is called to live for his family you know? Uh, and so yeah. don't, don't fear those who would destroy the body. Um, rather, you know, keep your focus on Jesus and, and the plan that he would have for you to, for you to carry out. Well, any, any other thoughts before we get to the end of our text? Uh, no, let's keep going. All right. 29 are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. Whatever, whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Right here, he, he starts pointing to sparrows. Jesus tends to do this in the scriptures, you know. Um, look at the sparrows in the barn. And here he says, how much are they? There, two of them are sold for a penny. Um, and then he starts talking about hairs on the head. Most of the time when I hear this quote, it has to do with making fun of some guy for not having as many hairs as he used to. But I think Jesus is speaking Easy, a little Brady. more. <laughs> He's speaking a little more boldly about something more important than that. How would you teach these verses? Yeah, you know, this <laughs> we often use this to point to God's love and familiarity with his children uh and and that is that 
God cares about all of his creation, including the sparrows. He cares about us so much more that to the point where he even knows uh, how many hairs are on our head uh, and how many go down the drain. Uh, and so <laughs> it's uh, so but that's, uh, you know, that's the whole thing of the pinnacle of creation is is people and God created us that way. Uh, we're studying uh, Genesis in my Bible class right now, and it's just uh, the way that God creates the man and the woman is so different and unique compared to the way he creates the rest of creation. And so mm -hmm. that it, it's a reminder of that, that, that we are special to him, and that comes with responsibilities, but we are special to him, and, and that it is, it is our, our joy that he has uh, blessed us in that way and known us that way. And so that, that's a word of encouragement. And so he moves on from there. So we are, we are definitely comforted by how he knows everything about us, but yet he still loves us. You know, a lot of people say, you know, if you actually knew everything about me, you'd probably no longer be my friend. But the Lord knows everything about us, even our hair, uh, number of our hair in our heads, and still has, more, has us as more value than the sparrows. And then the end, he speaks um, words that can kind of lead us to a little more fear. It's a quote that we will use in our confirmation, right? Right at the beginning where we will tell people that, uh, that the part of the reason why we have confirmation as a tradition within our church is that, you know what, uh, we're to acknowledge Jesus before men. And uh, when we do that, we're promised eternal life. Verses 32 and 33 um, really make it real, um, make it personal, and, and call us to a higher calling of what we confess. How would you what, what how would you see these verses 32 and 33 and why they're important for us today? Well, you've got our classic uh, law and gospel. It's flipped here, so we've got the gospel in verse 32 and then the law in verse 33, but in verse 32 there, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. That is what uh, the late uh, Norman Nagel would say, that's the good stuff. It reminds mm -hmm. us that uh, we belong to him, uh, that when we confess our faith in Jesus, um, guided by the Holy Spirit, obviously, uh, Jesus has our back, and he is going to speak for us before the, before the Father, and, you know, if the Father says, uh, why should you be able to go into eternity, Jesus is going to raise his hand and say, because he's with me, and so that's that's the illustration kind of that's our classic uh, kind of courtroom illustration of of Jesus uh, uh, relationship for us and uh, being our substitute and everything but then we get that uh, more sobering verse in in 33 uh, whoever denies me before men I will also deny before my father who is in heaven and what exactly does it mean to deny? Jesus? Does that just mean, you know, do I have to, every time I go on a plane, do I have to uh, um, share the gospel with the person sitting next to me? Mm -hmm. I don't think so necessarily, but can I? Yes. So that's, so that's something that we could talk about that for a long time, I think, you know, yeah, of just, yeah. uh, what, have, what, what are all the implications of that and what do they look like in day-to-day -day life? 
And that's something for us to continually pray about, um, for us to pray, like when you go onto the airplane. Because nowadays, I mean, when you and I were in college, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was that reality that people still kind of talk to each other on the planes. I, I don't think people do anymore. I think we basically, we sit down, put our headphones in, and we're done. So that's just an example that is not quite as clear as it used to be. Um, but also, it, it just reminds us, Lord, help us to proclaim the truth when you give us that opportunity. Sometimes, I think we all have to admit that we don't take the advantages that we should. And for that, we need our Lord's forgiveness and grace. And sometimes we just have to be careful. One, because it can mean your job. Uh, it can mean your life, livelihood. It can mean that you won't be able to live peaceably with your extended family over Thanksgiving meal. Um, those kind of things are something we all have to navigate and the Lord will lead us through each of it um, according to his purpose. So be bold, saints, uh, listeners, um, but also we pray that he will, we will be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Pastor, as we look at these, we have about a minute and a half left in our time. Jesus is keeping it real in these verses, uh, and he tells us what's coming. He gives us his promises. How would you encourage our listeners based on the words of Jesus today? Well, I would look, man, I'll go all the way back to the very first verse we read. Behold, I am sending you out. And it's important for us to know and understand that Christianity is a sending faith because, uh, you know, God the Father sent Jesus on a rescue mission for us. We just celebrated that with Christmas. Here, Jesus sends out the disciples who will eventually be the apostles who uh, cower in fear uh, when Jesus needs them the most, and yet they become bold and, and strengthened in their faith and in their witness. And then the Holy Spirit forms and sends the church at Pentecost, and that's, that's the, the role that we play, and that's the part that we uh, are, that's the thing that we are a part of. And so with, with Christianity being a sending faith, uh, we are sent ones into our culture, into our communities, into our, and, and, and it, is, it is for us to bear witness to Christ in our words and in our actions when we are sent out by him. Pastor Joshua Knippa of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Nederland, Texas, giving us God's strong word from Matthew chapter 10. Pastor Knippa, thank you for bringing us his gifts. Thank you, Pastor Fender, and it was a joy. It, oh, it always is. I'm reminded of the words from Paul to the church in Ephesus. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Today, that is what the Lord tells us, tells his disciples, and reminds us that persecutions will come, that there will not be a clear road where everything is just happy and go lucky. But he gives us the promise of his word, gives us his words, and that we will live in peace throughout eternity. This is our hope, this is our life, and this is what we hear today, and what a joy it is. I'm your host, Brady Fender, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. <laughs>